You're listening to K&J Recaps. Welcome back with K&J Recaps. I am Jess. I am Kim. Hi, Kim. How was that episode nine of Westworld for you? Um, It was out of control. Like, my mind is still so blown. I feel like it was possibly the greatest hour of TV (laughs) of all time. I couldn't believe it was an hour. Like, I was watching it being like, this must be longer than an hour. But, it. I mean, we know that the finale will be 90 minutes, so I can't even imagine... If they can fit that much into 60 when they really want to move everything forward. Yeah, there was a lot uh, in this episode and there were so many things that are starting to converge or have been outright confirmed at this point. Um, So I really feel like the finale next week is just going to like blow our minds that much more. That's right. Uh, so before we dive in, of course, we are recapping HBO's Westworld uh, episode nine. It is a detailed breakdown. So, of course, please go watch first. Um, and if you're a new listener, welcome. You can always leave us a comment at kjrecaps.com slash feedback or find us on Twitter and Facebook at KJ Recaps. And uh, just an awesome shout out to everybody who has been sending us notes or comments, their thoughts. We're going to incorporate some of the questions kind of we've got over the past week into the, this podcast as we get to those specific scenes. But I just kind of wanted to say off the top that... You know, we're new to the kind of podcasting world as we've done a couple of shows now, and uh, it's really great to have people involved and on board. Um, we had some audio issues and some issues with Stitcher that we're still trying to resolve in terms of hosting it, but we really appreciate you guys letting us know. Um, even if you, you know, are having problems, that's just really helpful feedback for us to have and to work on fixing. So thank you to everybody who's been reaching out. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> that's right and we know we're not alone in this world just <laughs> talking to each other about this show that's right although that would part, still be yeah. fun jess i would still do it that's how the podcast got started really <laughs> is that it it was this without the recording equipment so yeah love it uh so there is a ton to unpack like you said kim a lot of things came together and of course unlike previous episodes too we're even more we're seeing every single thing that's happening you know so there's these like kind of big stories being told all together in this hour as they come closer and closer together um some stories kind of randomly get uh abandoned partway through like i want to talk about what happened exactly to stubs and why we only saw like three seconds of that story but uh but in general just a really fantastic episode and lots to talk about so without further ado shall we dive in yes um excellent okay i'm excited um okay so we start with mave in the lab with bernard and uh, mave of course at the last of at the end of last episode she had just slit the new clementine's throat and uh, and then was brought in. So this is the immediate aftermath of that. Um, so he tells Maeve to bring herself back online, but she is already awake. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, they have no power the over furtive Maeve glances. Yes, exactly. That's right. Like back and forth, where she's like pretending and not pretending, but she quickly gets out of hand because she can't give the answers. Obviously, because her actions are not informed by the simple storyline stuff anymore she does a really great like 
analysis and fascination, yes. though. <laughs> That's right. Um, so he's questioning her about that incident with Clementine. She says that she perceived Clementine as a threat. And so he's Bernard is looking into her programming to confirm whether or not that's true. And he sees the update on Maeve's code and freaks out a little bit. Um, so he starts to call for Dr. Ford, but then Maeve sort of... Um, stops playing possum and grabs him by the arm. And um, she says that they've been down this road before and she recognizes Mm -hmm. him. Um, So she knows that he's a host. Um, So what do you think that she meant when she said that they've been down that road before the two of them? I know. I like, I went back over the scene a couple of times on the rewatch and um, is it, so I had two thoughts, which probably is what it could be. I don't think there's anything like, mind-blowing what I'm about to say but is it either that she has interacted with Bernard um lots before and now because of her extra abilities she's able to recognize that he's a host um and it's just that straightforward or have they actually had this interaction before but it just doesn't feel like it's the latter that I mean we know Bernard has come to the realization before that he's a host um we're gonna get that from Ford later on. Yeah. But I did not feel that it was Maeve who had exposed it to him like this before. What were your thoughts? No, I didn't think so either. So um, I came to those same two sort of options. And then I did have a third that's sort of more far-fetched, which is that um, is Maeve, who is an original host, speaking to an encounter that she had way back with Arnold. Like... You know, I don't... Right. Sorry. No, excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. But then she knows he's a host. But does she know she he's a host because she, know that she knows that Arnold's dead? I mean, dead. I don't know. Like, we don't know what happened to Arnold. So, of course, um, whether or not she would have been present and could therefore, like, remember him dying. I don't know. Maybe she's just able to recognize a host um, because of her enhanced programming. Um, right. But yeah, like I, I think that uh, there was uh, like a 35 year ago incident where all of the hosts were becoming sentient much the way they are in a current timeline. So I was thinking that maybe it was uh, referencing to an encounter that she actually had with Arnold, not Bernard. Interesting. And of course, the other thing, too, is that she's clothed. In this scene, which is very rare when they're brought into that area of like the underground Westworld place, exactly. right? I mean, she you can tell she's literally been taken from that scene. She still has the blood on her. And the, the technicians are obviously like concerned. That's <laughs> the fact right. that they bring Bernard in right away. Like she's not a normal. But um, I think that that's you know, telling. Piece, but like. Yeah, um, so we did get a question about this on Twitter this week as well, about just kind of questions and thoughts on the nudity um, in the show in general uh, from Rentasmo one uh, who just kind of commented about, you know, especially Thandie Newton's constant nudity, yeah. scene, which <laughs> is very true. She's carried the bulk of the nudity through this show throughout. And so we kind of, you know, just to touch on that quickly, we did talk about it in our earlier podcasts, of course, but... And how strange it seemed to have that kind of the hosts always be naked and the people only always fully closed. We had Ford, you know, really reprimand that technician who kind of had one covered up at one point. Um, 
so I think it's, and of course we know that Arnold did not undress them in his interactions with them, which we've now gotten full confirmation of in yeah. this episode as well. Yeah. So, uh, so it was very Arnold-esque to have her clothed there too. Yeah, I a couple of things. Like, so first, I think that it is telling that the only time that we have seen a host who is clothed in, you know, the presence of a human before is Dolores in her interactions with Bernard, who we now know is Arnold. So those interactions were not with Bernard the host; they were with Arnold when he was still alive, right? So um, yes, and then we we've also seen the hosts dressed, but only when they are in that kind of final stage of um i mean it almost looks like quality control or something right like you know when she went through all the different levels yes but she yeah walks through like never yeah. with a behavior tech before never when they are that's going right through exactly analysis when they're being analyzed way. and so exactly this is the first time that we have seen bernard interact with a host since we found out that he was a host himself in the last episode and since we saw him um, for the first time, from our view at least, start to remember things um, as a host. So, I mean, like, he started to have awakenings slash flashbacks in the last episode in the same way that we've seen Maeve yep. and Dolores have them. So I did wonder if the fact that Maeve is clothed in his presence is somehow related to that. If, you know, that was, um, I don't know, a nod to his... Arnoldness, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Arnoldosity. Yeah, yeah. yeah I th- I think, you know, there is something there. And then to the larger point of you know the nudity between the males and females, I've seen that comment a number of times. I think there is, you know, something to it in the sense that the guys who are you know the bigger stars in the show have all managed to keep a lot of modest modesty while Thandie Newton has it. Now she's had such an intense storyline behind the scenes. Um, unlike any of the others too, right? Like so many of the male hosts we actually only interact with in the park um, for the, or for the vast majority of it. Right. So, um, you know, well, it would be great if I, I do feel like um, that this show, uh, it does better than, many yes. in terms of its use of nudity because I really feel that the nudity that um, that is in this show is in service to the storyline um, with a couple of exceptions I mean like I don't know if maybe we could have done without some of the orgy stuff or <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily drove the storyline except to show that Pariah is uh, um, full of lovers of gold body paint but um that's right. Uh, yeah, like I think that the nudity in this show is really showing us kind of a lack of regard or a lack of humanity that is, um, you know, felt that the hosts have or lack thereof. Do you know what I mean? Totally. I didn't say that well, but like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? No. It's like they, they are not given. There's a power. They're it also makes it easy to identify them. I mean, you know that the people <laughs> are not going to be walking around nude. But it also means, so I found this episode was a turning point in the nudity in the sense that you Maeve is no longer um, nude yes. throughout this episode. In fact, she even, um, you know, has a sex scene where there's no clothes that are taken off. And the hints of the next episode, you know, she's dressed in civilian style clothing no longer costume and i think it's going to be very easy for her if they're not nude just from like a strictly organizational standpoint it gets harder and harder to tell them 
apart, right? Especially when you take them out of period dress and you put them in. But I think that's the whole point, you know, exactly that in the beginning, there is this very stark contrast. And it's like, it's dehumanizing to have them sit there nude while everyone around them is closed and they are not given um, the the respect of being able to modestly cover themselves or whatever because they are hosts and they don't need modesty but as the show goes on and the line between the hosts and the humans blurs more and more um i think that that's kind of the whole point is that there is no um there is no difference in the way that they appear and put clothes on them and um take them out of like period costume and you're completely unable to differentiate between the two. And I think that that is a way in which the show is using nudity to um, great effect, yeah. right? And yeah. I mean, like, uh, and I think that we said, too, when we had Bart, the uh, <laughs> the well-endowed um, uh, whisk- <laughs> bartender, bartender who was bad bartender, having yeah. trouble pouring the whiskey, I think I did say at that time that I was like, oh, HBO, like, good on you for, like, you know, Um, showing some male nudity um, instead of just all women. But it is a good point that uh, James Marsden hasn't been... uh Hasn't hasn't been whipping it out yet, so maybe maybe we need a yeah. little bit more equality there. <laughs> and just like I can't even imagine, you know, getting the amount of of body shots if you're a host in this show. I would be like gym time for months before <laughs> I go and shoot this show, having to sit down constantly, not wearing any clothing. Yeah. So everybody that we've seen, even like. People that you wouldn't necessarily think so are like incredibly fit when you take their costumes off. So. That's uh, so true. But it is definitely incredibly impactful. It's also the glass, you know, everywhere. And I noticed this time, you know, Bernard cleared the floor um, because it's again, it's like, how would you explain to anybody around you what happens in this scene between he and Maeve? Right. You know? Um, since she's going to freeze all his motor functions in right. a minute. So that that is what happens. So um, she she knows that Bernard is a host, but of course Bernard doesn't know that he's a host. Um, and so he slowly comes to that realization as Maeve is speaking, and she commands him to freeze his motor functions. And then she really empathizes with him because she's been through this not long ago where um, yeah. she came to this realization herself that her entire life has been a lie and that everything that she thought was original and unique to her was in fact programming um, uh, by a team of people who made her who she is. Um, So she tells him that like she could make him give her the tablet that he's holding. She could make him do whatever she wanted, but she doesn't want to do that. Um, So she doesn't want to be like the humans who have this control over them. Um, so she, which I think is like what we talked about last week and you made, you know, you really commented on this about how it's funny that she would still behave this way to hosts now that she sees it. So I think this is exactly, you see this throughout this show that she's not going to treat them like hosts. She's going to bring them on side as allies through cogent arguments yes you know and conversation so so the question that i have then here is that when she tells bernard to clear her to return to the park and bernard sort of awakens from his like freezing of all motor functions and hits the button to clear her to return to the park is he doing that of his own free will or is he following a command yeah 
I know what you mean. I feel like it's his own free will, but in the sense that he's no longer thinking it through. He, I agree. His concern for the issue of Maeve is gone. And even the fact that he doesn't bring, like, this is the whole kind of problem, too. The fact that he's not going to bring Maeve's problems to Ford because now he has to figure out his own problems is what's going to enable Maeve to get very far through this, right? So she basically blew his mind, and in his last, like effort he's like okay fine yeah he's like i just gotta get out of here and figure out what's going on with me so (laughs) who the hell am i go for it lady (laughs) that's right (laughs) go amass your robot army that's right um so as bernard is leaving Maeve just tells him that if he's gonna go after the truth make sure he gets it all Um, yeah yeah she's so good with words i know i love her um I, I love the character of Maeve. Um, I you like you're right. I was really happy to see her yeah, a couple of times in this episode. Um, kind of approach this whole uprising that she has planned in a way that I thought was a a little bit more in line with where I thought that it was going to go, which is that she, she would, was going to yeah. bring hosts over to her side through. Um, sharing the knowledge that she now has with them about their true nature and that sort of thing, rather than just sort of um, command them with this new um, power that she has in her enhanced programming, which we saw a little bit of in the last episode. Um, But that could have been just um, her testing out this new ability in order to determine how it works and... um, if there are limitations that she needs to be aware of or whatever, maybe she just like has this momentary uh, kind of like uh, power. (laughs) Uh, Well, and I I no longer think that she intended to do this um, in terms of getting herself caught, which is kind of what we talked about. I do think she's going to end up in cold storage and figure that out. But I think in this case, this cornerstone of grief piece uh, overwriting her kind of core code, it's so intense. I mean, I, that we can talk about it more when we get to that scene where Bernard can't even comprehend what she's been able to do, mm-hmm. which I found so interesting. Um, that she really was in the moment there and kind of got herself, you know, I think maybe she's learning how to better focus that grief and those emotions that are now driving her. I, I think you're right. Sense. Yeah. I mean, like I, I did think that she was deliberately um, trying to get herself sent to cold storage at the end of last episode. And I am still convinced, as you said, that the cold storage army is where she's eventually going yeah. to end up. Um, but yeah, if she had wanted to go to cold storage, if that was her intention, she would have told Bernard to send her down there instead of sending her back into the park. So you're right. Yeah. It, it seems as though she was so sort of overcome by this memory which as we now know is essentially her reliving that moment that um that's right it kind of got away from her a little bit um so from there we are with (laughs) william and dolores who are back with logan uh as happened at the end of the last episode and the confederados so uh logan not super happy he's got william tied up and gagged uh and he's just like such a creepy guy um but eventually he ungags logan then wiping his mouth with the gag which was just like i know william you mean he ungags william sorry thank you yes and then he says that it actually worked out well well, like well from him in the end because he's a general or a captain or something right (laughs) doesn't really know what he's loving it somehow he's leading this group of people exactly um exactly yeah um 
But so Logan or William rather is saying that, you know, you have every right to be angry with me, but there's more important things happening here. So William is really dedicated to this like idea that Dolores um, has her own thoughts and is independent. And he goes as far as to ask Logan to talk to his contacts in the park. And even as someone who really likes William and thinks Logan is a, like a piece of shit, this sounds crazy, this plan. Yeah, it does. Um, and, you know, Logan's like, what, are you going to smuggle her out in your suitcase? Like, of course that's not going to work. Yeah. And, you know, even the um, the comment later about, you know, what do you think would happen if you went out in the world? I think it's Ford to Bernard, right? Yeah. And he says, do you expect to be greeted with open arms? Um, like, what is William thinking would happen here if you went to the park and said, hey, this <laughs> this one seems to be becoming sentient? They're going to be like, oh. Oh, thank God you told us. <laughs> like, like, let's get her out of here. Poor girl. Let's get her out of <laughs> That's there. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I I think that William, like as much as I hate Logan and as much as I think yeah. that his approach and everything is just the plain worst, like he kind <laughs> of has a point here. Like William has kind mm-hmm. of lost touch with reality a little bit. And despite the fact that Dolores is showing signs of sentience and there is the larger question about whether or not a sentient artificial intelligence, you know, host should um, should be kept in this park or not. Obviously, Maeve doesn't think so. Like we're going to have a whole storyline related to that. But the reality is, is yeah. that as it stands, Dolores is a robot in a theme park and that's right um and the fact that william has jumped to the conclusion that she needs to be um smuggled out of the park like yes there are bigger questions to be asked and i don't think that these hosts should continue to live the way that they have been you know subjected to in this park either particularly those that have sentience but I mean, he did not think this plan through. Like, what did he think was going to happen there? How nuts he really sounds. Yeah. It's funny. Between the two of them, you know, Logan is way too blasé and not paying enough attention, especially in the later scene where Dolores says to him, basically speaks to him as if she's Arnold. Right. Um, And then William is so intense that he's trying to go through the maze, which he keeps being told is not for him which we keep interpreting as because it's like a host specific thing, you know? Um, yes. They've just gone both so far in the kind of opposite directions. So while they're having this conversation, Dolores, you know, she says, you both want to are talking about getting me out. If that's so great, then why is everybody clamoring to get in here in this really like intense way of delivering it? And I loved Logan's reaction to this where he just like pauses <laughs> and he's like, wow, <laughs> like you're not kidding that there is something going on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, Logan's suggested way of handling it is not good. I mean, the physical threat towards Dolores is very strong throughout this episode. Yes. Um, and whether there's like sexual things behind that, which it always it seems like it's going to be there's or just always physical... that sort of underlying, especially always. especially when Dolores yeah. is being like manhandled and like passed around from the men and Absolutely. you know, forced to sit in their lap and that there is a very strong, you know, undertone of Rape, sexual violence yeah, and, and that is terrifying um i i am obviously very happy that it did not go to that place and i think that when we get to the later scene where logan does do what he was intending 
um, to do, which is show William that Dolores is a robot by exposing her mm-hmm. inner workings, that um, that was incredibly impactful and it got the point across in a way that didn't have to be about Agreed. sexual violence. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. 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 I'm just really no, glad, although the undertone was there, which I think is kind of, uh, unfortunately, sort of true to what that situation would yeah. be like. I'm glad that the show didn't go to that place. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we just have a really quick shot of Bernard in Ford's office. And then, of course, we find out in the next scene that it's because he was stealing Ford's behavior tablet. Um, so they, they're down in the same sort of cold storage back room where we've seen Ford before talking to old Bill. Um, and Ford says that it's an odd meeting place to meet amongst the dead. And Bernard shows Ford's tablet and says, not really dead, more like hobbled, which I think is a key point because I think that perhaps the show is advising us in this line that all of these cold storage hosts could in fact be, you know, re- recommissioned. Reanimated. That's right. Yeah. Which I think is going to be something that will see later with Maeve, as we've already mentioned. Um, So uh, Ford, of course, knows, having seen the tablet, that Bernard has broken into his office, but Bernard justifies it because he's like, you've broken into my mind. So (laughs) (laughs) so this is is nothing. Um, And Ford tells Bernard that he built his mind, so he had every right to be there. So Ford didn't really give away any surprise that um, Bernard has come to the conclusion that he is a host yet again with no sort of prompting from Ford. Like we saw in the last episode, Bernard came to that conclusion because Ford and Cullen were having a conversation about it right in front of Bernard. So in this episode, Bernard came to the conclusion that he was a host without Ford being present and then confronts Ford about it and he doesn't seem surprised at all. So do you think this has happened many times before? I definitely think it's happened before. I mean, he references that later, mm-hmm. right, that, that that it's happened before. And it would be hard not to. Even the scene that we see of how he reacts to Maeve, um, where he literally can't compute what it means yeah. about Maeve. Um, and, you know, Ford says, this is why you shouldn't worry yourselves about these things. Like, I feel like you got glimpses of scenes where he's had to reset him or bring him about or whatever. And then I also wondered if, so if you have a host who's like under your control like this, and then they ask you suddenly to randomly meet in cold storage, are you kind of prepared that this is another, like you kind of know what's coming? You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I would. Like he, he remember he said, he's like, why did you, I like, we found this place. And he's like, no, I got, you know, Bernard to bring you here when Colin is there. And even the time that Bernard showed up and met Ford's family, like Ford brought him there. Um, right. So, but I guess that kind of something happens independent. That kind of speaks to my point a little bit, right? Is that so if it is unusual for Bernard to ask Ford to meet down there when when Ford didn't send him down there. And I mean, all of the other times, or I guess both of the other times where we have seen Bernard come to a realization about his true nature, it has been, you know, with the prompting of something that Ford was aware of. So I guess I'm just, I was curious about why Ford didn't wonder what happened that yeah. Ford 
sorry, that Bernard would have witnessed that would make him conclude that he's a host because I mean, we know what did happen. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like I I, yeah. I wonder why Ford wasn't like, who told you? Like who else knows that you're a host yeah. and therefore spill the beans? This is the absolute because so that for sure. And that's the hubris that I think is gonna be incredibly troublesome because you're right and he's not he has no idea at least if he does that's not been shown to us at all that he knows what's happening with Maeve and that is that is able to happen and even the fact that he's not concerned about Maeve's behavior when her child dies I think all of that is problematic in that he's assuming he has too much control over these guys right um so I think that there's definitely that I just think in this case that maybe this has happened once or twice before and he's like oh Ford wants to meet me but his I mean his blaseness is Amazing. And he doesn't, of course, we think he's under threat for the vast majority of this episode, and it turns out he's not, right? But he never gives that away either. Right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's true. Yeah. He's got a killer poker face, Ford does. <laughs> <laughs> the two of them in these scenes were phenomenal to watch. I know. I just absolutely loved it, um, like, just from an acting perspective as to how they they did this. I agree. So uh, Bernard says that he's looked at his own code and he's discovered that the more elegant parts of his mm-hmm. um, of his code was actually uh, built by Arnold. So Bernard essentially um, accuses Ford of killing Arnold because he feels like Arnold had a different plan for the hosts. Um, and so- we've been speaking about that from for many episodes now that we think that Ford is likely behind the murder of Arnold. And yet we got this whole Dolores killing Arnold line at the end of this episode. Yes. Although, I mean, if she's the one who did it, you know, what's behind all of that right. still, right? Like just because she may have been the one Pulled who the did trigger. it. Yeah. I was and thinking that it was yeah. like either Arnold like committed suicide by host or Ford made her do it. But I don't. So there's been a theory that I've read a couple of times. Oh. So should I share this theory? I th- I would like to know it. It's a biggie. Okay. Um. So maybe you've seen this, and like maybe I'm. But it's that Dolores is, is Wyatt. Wyatt. Yes, I feel mm-hmm. strongly that that is the case. And yeah, I agree. Um. So I'm gonna jump ahead, but since we're talking about it right now, I'm just gonna say why I I felt like that was the case after watching this episode. So I haven't seen I have seen that being tossed around, but I haven't seen any of the reasoning. It was just like a one liner. Is Dolores Wyatt like on right. Twitter? Um. So certainly, you know, that got my brain turning. Um. And so in this episode, I really felt like that was the case specifically because, um. We've already talked several times about the fact that the whole Wyatt storyline was said by Ford to be based in truth. And then we have Teddy's exposition in this episode where he said that, um, you know, Wyatt said that he needed his help and he was unable to resist. And so essentially Teddy assisted Wyatt in the massacre of the soldiers. But now that was like the Wyatt narrative. That never really happened. That was just... Teddy's memory so we now know that Teddy's uh, like Teddy's involvement in the massacre was the one that Dolores is recalling not the massacre of soldiers that never really happened that's right so um, if Teddy is Teddy in that memory 
And then Dolores is Wyatt in that memory where we have seen Dolores shoot the townspeople in a past memory and Wyatt shoot the soldiers in sort of like the parallel narrative Mm storyline. I feel that that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we know we keep seeing this one actor every time Wyatt's mentioned, but of course we know not to trust that after nine episodes of this show. Um, So there's that. And then absolutely like, and the fact that, you know, of course, Teddy wouldn't think it was Dolores. We've seen her with the gun so many times. We talked last week about how she could have been involved in, like, we got right up against this theory, really, mm-hmm. um, last week when we were talking about it. And that how she could have done, like, the malicious killing. But she always seems to be so shocked as she's coming out of it or surprised. So the intent. So whether it is that she gained sentience that long ago and and killed Arnold for some reason or whether she was being manipulated or yeah, Arnold manipulated her into doing it Yeah, in a way to try and get great. Like maybe it was like a granting freedom through his death somehow, which I don't really know how that would work. Yeah. But, I don't really know um, how Arnold's death specifically fits into that whole thing. But I think that Dolores's line to Logan, when, when Logan tells Dolores in this threatening way that, um, Arnold made this world beautiful and people like him are ruining it. And he tells her, well, this world was yeah. made for me, not for you. For and me. she says, well, then someone needs to, you know, burn it clean. I almost think yeah. that that kind of speaks to what they might have been doing in the past. Right. That uh, essentially Arnold became so um disenchanted with the direction that the world was going in and maybe what the hosts were going to be used for and whatever that he just wanted to burn the whole thing because like when Dolores said to Ford when they were having the one-on-one conversation in the lab and this is when like Dolores asks Ford were we very good friends you remember that conversation Yeah, yeah um okay so in that conversation um Oh, yeah. When Ford asks, what was the last thing that Arnold said to her? And she said, he said, I was going to help him destroy this place. Right. So maybe it was through Arnold himself, right, that he got, um, like, it was, like, what you're saying, suicide by host kind of concept. I mean, we know that they were fighting a lot at the end, and they weren't agreeing on the direction. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean... I don't even now remember how we got down this rabbit hole in this scene, but it, oh, because my question related to this, and maybe it's too much, ten, too tangential off of this, but when there's numerous times here where Bernard insists that he was built by Arnold, but we know he's not. So what does that mean? Um, I don't know. Right? Because he's like, those that code, the elegant parts of my code are written by Arnold, which I assume is like a literal you you know people you can tell what who writes which code mm-hmm. like their signatures are usually on it or there's like pieces that you can tell were written by them i mean is it that ford is just using pieces of arnold's original code and putting them in but we know that bernard was created afterwards right yeah i don't know i almost feel like maybe it was that arnold essentially created the um pieces yeah it's like created like the baseline that all of the hosts are then are built around um which would enable the army development if that's the case 
Yeah, I mean, so you know, we, like if they all have the same piece underlying, right? And and we know that that that's true, um, whether or not it's related to this exact same context. We know that all of the hosts have the same sort of un- the voice the commands. voice commands, right? Exactly. So like yeah. Arnold's original programming is in every single host because it is that programming that they use in order to be able to command them by by voice or do the narrative voice that we saw Ford do this episode too um yeah so I I was thinking that maybe it was just that okay um that makes sense so Bernard forces Ford to reveal his memories to him so he's enlisted Clementine to like threaten Ford on his behalf because he's of course not able to hurt a human and um Bernard says that Clementine was never essentially reset after that um, like Hale and Cullen faux display of um, Clementine's like ability to hurt people like she was still able to do that so we know that that was not true come the end of the episode but at this point Clementine is like holding a gun to Ford in order to force him to give Bernard his memories um so Ford issues lots of warnings. He's saying, like, you're going to get lost in these memories. We've heard that last episode. We heard it more in this coming episode. I mean, like, later in the episode. Yep. So, um, but Bernard doesn't care. He just wants the memories. So we see lots of them. He, he, we see him, you know, with his son in the hospital that we've seen before. We see him speaking to his wife on that uh, video conference call that we have seen previously. We see the conversation between Bernard and Colin when they're in bed and they're talking about like how the hosts always talk to each other and it's a way of practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the killing of Colin and then grabbing Elsie that we still don't know what's going on with. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, um, so when Bernard sort of comes back to himself, he like, he, he is super upset and he wants to know like what, Ford made him do to Elsie and Ford just sidesteps the question and tries to convince Bernard to stop. But, uh, but Bernard wants to continue. So Bernard, like, why didn't you press on that question? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But just I guess let that go. they have to save something for the finale, right? Like they gave us so much in this that's episode. Right. I can't fault them for like keeping that bit of mystery alive. Surely we'll see what happens, too, to the Hemsworth who's been attacked by these uh, more hosts who don't respond to voice commands. Yeah. So something's got to, yeah. Essentially, like, the whole park's gone rogue at this point. Like, no one can set foot in there. <laughs> Are there know. still guests in the park? Because Coming in? Yeah. I think there's... So did you watch the preview for the next episode? Um, I, like... I... It's just, it's super, it's really short, but there's a scene of Teddy coming in on the train again. So I'm like. Oh, really? I really whoa. need to. Yeah. Um, I, like, I watch, uh, I watch on demand often, so I don't see, like, the, the, the yes. preview that comes up when it's shown live. So I do, wa- I do yeah. watch it, uh, I do watch it live, but then watch it again on demand. And I, anyway, I end up missing the preview often, um, but that's really interesting. But of course, that makes sense. Yes. Because Teddy died in this episode. That's right. And she needs him to come back again. And that's how he always comes in. So, yeah. So, but I, I feel like the park is just running <laughs> as normally as it can be given two of its staff members are missing and things are falling to pieces in front of our very eyes. But like but, if there are hosts like in Sweetwater that are just going rogue, then that would be terrifying. 
of course, I feel like that's kind of the direction that the show is going in. So that's we'll right. see that at some point. In the show. And it's got one episode left to do it. But yeah, and then of course they've got Bernard, trusted Bernard, and he's sending Maeve back into town. So they're like, okay, everything's good. Yeah. And no Cullen, who was very good at her job, to be like something's wrong here. Right. Um, yeah. Thank God. And for then Hale is just so focused on getting Ford out that there's not, you know, no one's paying attention to the right stuff. Right. Like if you could just boil it down to what's happening here, leadership wise, <laughs> is that everybody is distracted by the wrong piece of this puzzle. Fair. And yeah, I yeah. feel like Stubbs is the only security that they have left. And of course, I mean, he's gone after Elsie and has Ooh, no idea what's going what's on with the host. What? I know. Yeah, and like now who knows what's happened to him because Oh yeah, like one by one they're just dropping like flies. All <laughs> That's right. It's like a murder mystery dinner party at this point. <laughs> it was Bernard who done it in the basement <laughs> <laughs> with the candlestick. It was always Bernard, absolutely. <laughs> um it's him dressed up in the white paint too. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> it's like out there attacking people. Um okay. Uh okay. So then we're back at the Confederado camp, and this is the scene that you mentioned, Kim, about Dolores being manhandled by the men, which is really tough to watch. And so Logan is accusing William of scheming to become a part of the family through marrying his sister, who he points out that William seems to have completely forgotten about him. About, sorry. And so he takes a picture out of, like, his breast pocket to remind William. So, number of things. A, has a picture of his sister on him randomly in the park. Which is odd. So we did get a very funny tweet about that, too, um, which I agreed that that was a really weird thing. And the reply that we got back was referencing the Lannisters. So all the Game of Thrones fans out there, <laughs> absolutely. There's like some weird sibling stuff there. But could you imagine, and then of course, could you imagine if, you, if I was like out in the desert on like this vacation <laughs> theme park trip and I like <laughs> pulled out a four by six of Pete? <laughs> Showed it to you. <laughs> uh, Pete is my brother. Also, Jess's husband. Which is, which is Kim's brother, yeah. yeah. Um, and my husband. So it would be very strange. Although eerily similar in this case. But you know what? If I were trying to run away with a robot who I thought had become a human, maybe, Kim, that would be a good thing for you to have I'd be you. like, man, it's, it's a good thing me. I have this four by six in my breast pocket. <laughs> like, just in case um, Jess wants to, to run like, away with a robot. That's right. Um, uh, so of course that picture is also significant because it is the picture from episode one that blew Peter Abernathy's mind, um, which was back on the ranch. So this Logan gives this picture to William who takes it, right? Yes. Um, and we know it's going to end up at episode one. So in case anybody was possibly still thinking there is not a multiple timeline story here, I think that really cemented it even more i mean you're gonna get more like hints throughout this but that's a really strong one i would say yes i really just think Um, it's a done even in my notes in my notes i i'm i said like dolores in the past is walking through this lab and dolores in present day i just think that it's undeniable at this point i'm always really reluctant to like speak in um like absolutes <laughs> about this show because I always want to leave that little bit of wiggle room to be like yeah. maybe I don't know they haven't said they haven't said in um, certain terms but I I don't think that you can really argue with the multiple timelines at this point 
And no, and you've gotten great hints now with the three. Now there's actually three costumes because there's Dolores with blood on the pant and shirt outfit, Dolores without that, mm-hmm. and then Dolores in the blue dress, right? Yes. So you're getting. So those lots. are the three timelines that we spoke to in the last episode. So it's like Dolores 35 years ago in the time of Arnold is wearing the blue dress. And then Dolores 30 years ago in the time of William is wearing the pants with blood. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. Dolores in the current timeline is wearing the pants with no blood. But then what complicates things further is that it appears as though the 35-year-ago timeline where she's wearing the blue dress, we're not actually seeing those um, events take place. We're seeing them yes. in terms of Dolores's almost third-person view of them as a memory. But in any yes. case, three different timelines, two of which where the events seem to be happening in real time, and then mm-hmm. one where it's sort of memories only. Yeah. yeah. And actually, that's so we're about to get the other big or another big um, recall for this, too, because so Logan, to wake William up, just like we said it's not going to be sexual theme violence, just normal violence. So he stabs Dolores in the stomach, which is really dramatic, and pulls away her skin to show what it looks like underneath. And of course, it's like incredibly mechanical. It's like very steampunky right. underneath the uh, And so her skin. if you were to do that to Dolores in present timeline, it would be yeah, organs. You wouldn't right? That's right. Like she's yes, no longer agreed. mechanically. This is built. the that's right. And the, all of those guys that William's about to rip apart, right? Like, nobody looks like that anymore. Right. It's, they look like bodies. Um, yes. Yeah. And we know we know that um, from a couple of different um, scenes, but the, the big one, of course, is that the man in black says to Teddy, you guys used to be mechanical, and now you're yeah. all flesh and bone. I opened one of you up one time. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. And I feel like we've seen more of it, you know, like, like the, the old host seems to get shot, although the bloodier scenes have come from what we would think of as newer, you know, timeline stuff. Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Like all the blood he takes out of, um, oh my God, the dealer. Kissy, yeah. Thank you. I was going to say sweet, sweet something. Yeah. <laughs> all the blood he takes out of Kissy. Like, it doesn't feel like the old host necessarily had that. Even Dolores doesn't even bleed that much from this stab, really. Like, right. considering what's happened to her um so i think it speaks to that for sure right. so uh logan forces william to look at it um which does seem to have an impact on him and then dolores looks down and sees her own insides um and she collapses so this is the what we were referencing about the conversation that sounds very almost like arnold speaking through her so she says to logan that Arnold made this world beautiful, but people like him are spreading over it like a stain. Um, and Logan's like, I don't know who Arnold is, but this world was made for me, not you. Um, which Logan, like, if he knows, he does know who Arnold is, because we know that Logan knows the story that a partner died. Right, He, but, but he, he doesn't, doesn't know his know. name. That's right, and he's not, like, even though his company is looking into buying this, nobody knows this Arnold story. It's just kind of crazy. Yes. Which, um, you know, if I could just say on a quick side note, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it here. But, I mean, did Ford essentially fire every single person that worked at the right. park before um, Arnold died? Because if Bernard is an exact 
replica of Arnold, then that's how, right. Wouldn't that be? Yeah. How how would he have gotten yeah. away with that? Right. Um, and why are the office spaces abandoned as if they just like walked out of them one day? Like I yes. still don't get that. Agreed. Like there's bodies there. It's so weird. We can come to that part too. Yes. And I saw someone else, like, either in a recap or a tweet that I was reading, someone's like, can someone please pay the electrical bill in these, like, abandoned places? Right. <laughs> it's just, like, lights flickering all the time. I mean, yeah, they didn't even clean up. Um, they just shut the place down and left. Yeah. So weird. Um, so William, so there, there's kind of, like, a kerfuffle. Dolores attacks Logan, she manages to cut his cheek and break free. William tells her to run, that he'll find her. And so she shoots some of the Confederado hosts and takes off. And we hear Arnold's voice, that same man voice, telling her to remember. And suddenly all of that's gone. She's in the same outfit, but she's no longer stabbed like we talked about. Yes. So we're just seeing more of that timeline, like, interspersing, correct? Yes. Current timeline, no Confederados. 30 years ago timeline Confederados chasing. Guaranteed 100% foolproof theory. (laughs) Completely completely right until next next week's episode. I mean, our batting average at this point is, I mean, (laughs) I'd say Uh, fair. I mean, not 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 great, but we've gotten some things. So I feel strongly about this one. That's right. Um, so Hector and his gang, who have finally gotten the safe uh, um, with Maeve's help last episode, I did wonder if it was the first time ever that they successfully got away with the safe, but it that doesn't appear to be the case because there is an established narrative right. for what happens after they get the safe. Um, so the gang is fighting amongst themselves and trying to unlock it. And then Hector steps away to take a piss and Maeve comes out of the woods and holds him at gunpoint. And um, she tells him that she knows his past and he knows, she knows his future. And you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have one. And that, um, you know, to prove that she knows his future, she tells him that his men are all going to kill each other until it's just him and Armistice left. And then they're going to kill each other. Uh, and Hector doesn't believe her until it happens exactly in that way. But then <laughs> instead of Hector being killed, Maeve saves him by killing Armistice first. Um, so she has a proposition for him. She wants him to break into hell with her and rob the gods blind, which I believe is she wants him to go to the lab and help, help yes, her get uh, an army of cold storage hosts uh, out of cold storage. Um, that <laughs> that's what I think is going to happen. But of course, either way, they're definitely yeah. breaking into the lab in some way. Um, so, you know, he's like, why would I do that? And she says, open the safe and you'll find out. So he finally gets the safe open for the first time ever. And it is completely empty. And it's like, it's like the story of the greyhound with the, with the cat. The Greyhound has been chasing this his entire life. And when he finally gets what he wanted, he doesn't know what to do with himself, right? And Hector is like, after he finally gets this safe and it's empty, he's like lost all purpose. And Maeve sort of like explains that the safe is empty just like their world. And she has seen the masters who pull their strings and their world is nothing but a game to them. And she wants to, you know burn it to the ground um 
So she puts Hector's knife to her abdomen while sitting on top of the the safe, very similarly to the way that we had seen the two of them positioned in an earlier episode when she was asking Hector to cut a bullet out of her abdomen. And this similar posing like prompts Hector to remember that they had been there before. Um, and Maeve kisses him and says like, we've done this too. And uh, and then he says, OK, I'll go. <laughs> um, so Hector asks how they're going to get there. And Maeve essentially, well, she kicks over a lantern so that this tent is like burning around them while they get busy. Um, and then says that like getting there is the easy part. But once they get there, it's going to be hard. I don't know if the fire. If yeah. I, do, you, do you think that the fire was just for like ambiance or like is well, this part? Well, I was like, if you're really, are you really going to take yourselves out by burning to death? It just seems incredibly If they had just slash... shown like three more minutes of it, it would be like yeah. <laughs> this super steamy, like literally hot, hot, hot <laughs> sex scene. Then like ends yeah. with the two of them running out of the tent. Like this was a bad choice. That's right. Like coughing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just use a gun. Um, way faster. But I, so the the fire has to be related to her plan. I think. Do you think it was just? Oh do yeah. Do you think it was just literal ambiance, or like, you know, just for effect, or or maybe they asphyxiate? Like, I thought it was to kill themselves, and she was just like, you know, kind of like Groundhog Day. She's just chosen all these very different ways to kill herself, and this is how she's going to go out this time. But then I didn't. You know, it's not practical in the sense that your bodies could be severely disfigured. So maybe that's too simplistic a interpretation. No, but it, maybe but. you're right. Like that. Maybe you're right. Yes, I mean, like. But I did really. Yeah, <laughs> like a bad way to go. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I did super love this scene. I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. But it just the when she opens the safe and it's just actually empty because why would size more ever bother to have put anything in it? Because right. it doesn't matter. They They're just never have them going kill to each other there. before they get it open. And this was, and they just reset that safe in the same exactly. place. Yeah. This was the scene too, that we spoke to earlier where Maeve didn't want to command Hector to follow her and he, she could have, That's but right. she wanted to um, show him what their world really is. And then like, convince him to join her of his own free will because her cause is in his best interest also um so yeah. so that was great to see as well um so then we're it's a quicker scene but back with logan and william and dolores has run off william's still tied to a chair um he wants to know if dolores is still alive and logan is still trying to reason with him to say the whole point is that she never was in the first place like that's was the point of the exercise that they just went through mm-hmm. um so william concedes but i think it's pretty obvious to all of us that it's not the end of it right. um but he obviously wants to be untied so he says you know logan's right then that he caught caught up and he's sorry logan unties him and talks about how they're going to be brothers and he's so glad and they hug it out and start drinking but like I really actually thought that William was just going to stab him. Me too. When William like reaches out his hand to, you know, take a drink, I was like, oh, here it comes. Um, Yeah. And I still don't think that that's beyond the realm of possibility. Like it comes pretty close later in this episode. And um, this was not my observation, but it was one that I saw either on Twitter or Reddit that um, the knife... The knife that we are seeing William carry is very similar to the knife that the man in black has. Um, And that knife was um, really 
prominent and kind of like the turning point of like William to Man in Black in this episode. Um, True. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really think that that was like that we just saw the crossover, right? Like, yeah, he is in the dark side. Yes. And I just don't like I think I still read something that said suggested that Logan could be the man in black. And I just disagree strongly. No. First of all, you don't cast two incredibly blue eyed actors. You know what I mean? In the same and like and then not have. Um them be each other yeah very early on i mean i threw that out there really early on i can definitely see why someone might have come to that conclusion but i think that there has just been so much more evidence um about william and i think that you know logan is still the same logan that we've seen from the beginning like there has been no character growth um for this person since he came to the park he's still a douche um but we have seen such like this incredible change in William from the day that he arrived to like this episode right I mean I just don't think that um I I just think that the story that they're telling is William's and Logan is um just a driver of that change but he's not the more interesting character story Logan is who he is no matter where he is. Yes. You know, it, I agree. I mean, he references during one of these scenes, oh, it happened to me too. I came and got seduced by the park. And all I hear there is you had the same experience that everybody else who comes does. Um, and you're not at the level that William is. You never thought that this was anything but what it is. And you are just going to, you know, take full advantage of it like the people that um, Arnold wanted to get rid of and didn't like the direction of. And then when you go home, you do the same thing, I'm sure. You know, it's, yeah, uh, but this is just who like you that's, are. Like, that's the thing, right? It's like, Logan is looking at this as this superficial lo- vacation. He does the same thing that everybody else does, and then Absolutely. he just goes home. Yep. You're right. And then William was so much more impacted by it all. And I think that it's because William, you know, in the real world, he has said he is, like, playing this part, and he is... Um, acting it all out and going through the motions and he isn't really like being his true self and I think that you know the park has really resulted in this awakening of who he really is buried underneath this um, facade and I think that um, if he were content in his own life he wouldn't be looking as strongly to you know Dolores for um, I don't know, for her to like bring out yeah. the best in him and uh, um, be this ideal for him and whatever. Like, I think that the reason he's being so impacted by the park is is because because what life is yeah. like for him. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. I don't know. Um, yeah. I just think that as much as much as uh, you know, like an absolute dick that Logan is. Like, Logan is, like, content with himself, and he knows who he is, and he's the same in the park as he is out of the park, probably, but um, to varying degrees, just because the park offers up a lot more opportunity to do um, crazy stuff. But, yeah, I think that it's because William was not being who he truly was, or, like, even knew potentially who he truly was that this park is like making him an incredibly different person he's reacting really viscerally to like the experiences that he's having there and captured him for the rest of his life exactly yeah yeah. 
Um, so Teddy and the man in black are still surrounded by Wyatt's men, and they are terrifying. Like, <laughs> this, this, like, it's like randomly taking bones. It was, well, actually, if you want a good point as to the fact that they don't look like that inside anymore, you're, there's a good juxtaposition because they've got, like, limbs open. Right. On, right? And is this, like, are, why was he taking the bones? Was it the... I have no I idea. I think... Like, is that, like, what goes in their headdresses or is it, like, their weird helmet thing? Yeah, like, I feel like in the past, Teddy said that they, like, make their masks of the... Oh, of yeah. the bones of their victims or the flesh of their victims or something. I don't know. Yeah. But they're horrifying to me. Um, <laughs> and so the man in black tells Teddy, he was like, well, your memory glitch really fucked us because <laughs> we finally f- met the person who's going to um, lead them to the gatekeeper of the maze, who I assume he means Angela. Um, yeah. But, like, who's the gatekeeper of the maze, do you think? Wyatt? Is that what he thinks it is? I guess. Slash Dolores. Right. Which the man in black does not know. I mean, I think he's still in the dark about all of this. Yeah. But I have like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to this because um, I have maze questions slash theories. Um, <laughs> it's really the same theory, just more about it. Um, anyway, so uh, they finally found the person a.k.a. Angela, who's going to take them to the gatekeeper of the maze. And then because Teddy had this, like, memory of the man in black assaulting Dolores and then knocks out the man in black. Yeah, so um, the man in black is like, well, now we're fucked. Um, So Angela tells Teddy that he'll find Wyatt where he last saw him. So we get these memories again that we've already spoken to where Teddy is having memories of being in the town with the white church which he says the name of it, but I can't remember. Um, and well, he says Escalante first, and then he says the town, the city buried by sand. Right. And that's what prompts the men in black to perk up. So it's the town with the white with the white church, which, of course, was buried, but now it's not because Ford unearthed it. Um, and Angela says that Teddy will find Wyatt there. Um, and so, again, the memories of Teddy being involved in the shooting of the soldiers with Wyatt, which then turns into Teddy being involved in the shooting of the townspeople and he has a sheriff's badge on. And this is definitely, yeah. this is definitely in my opinion, the same flashback that we have been seeing of um, Dolores when she sees herself as the shooter and she's seeing all the people dead in the streets. Agreed. Um, yes. So... Uh, Angela was in that flashback, by the way, um, begging for her life when Teddy kills her. And then in present day, Teddy is in denial. He says, like, he could not have done that. Um, but Angela says he did and he will again. Um, and this time Wyatt's men will be with him. So. Yeah. What? So she's obviously, I mean, it's hard to discern here and obviously intentionally what is Ford's storyline and how he's using them, you know, because I do, I do think this is not, um, like them gathering sentience or the changes that we're seeing in Maeve. To me, this is all how Ford has laid it out to go. Maybe not the fact that the Man in Black is now tied up. Like I agree that that's Teddy's kind of, you know, the fact that he's getting these memories and he can remember what he's done to Dolores, but. I really feel like Angela is there as a wayfinder for them intentionally as like a sign marker. Do you, do you agree? Okay, so 
let me recap. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around. So you think that Angela is there purely as part of Ford's storyline. Yes. And is not in any way connected to the Arnold slash Maze Hunt. I think it's the same thing. Like, I, I really, I think that the two converge. Yes, okay. Um, that, that this is why um, when Ford came and saw the men in black and he had the drink and men in black's like, I'm going to go find the maze and you can't stop me. He helped Teddy get better to go with him. Like, yes, I find it really hard to believe that those are not the same thing right now and that Angela is not there because Ford has made her be there. Well, it's hard to deny that Angela is there as part of Ford's Wyatt storyline. But mm. I honestly think that I think that um, the the difference between our two takes on the maze is going to impact our, the way that we're interpreting these scenes. Because True. you're thinking of the maze as like this physical place that they are looking for. And I'm thinking of the maze as this like metaphorical journey that they have to go on. And Ultimately, um, so I'm jumping ahead now to like what I said I was going to circle back to. But ultimately, I think that the maze itself is this path that um, that that they're on, like the the path of memory and awakening, and then going through the various trials that gives them more and more information and insight. Like that is the maze itself. So, like, when at the end, Dolores meets with Arnold, and Arnold says, you're back. And Dolores says, I followed the maze, and all it brought me was, you know, terror and pain. I feel like the path that Dolores took from waking up in her loop and remembering little by little that took her through a journey that brought her to the white church that then, like, without any prompting from human intervention brought her down that elevator and into that room like that was the maze so i definitely agree that it it may not be a physical place for sure and that it may be this journey that they're going on so i yes i'm confused as to why she says that in her blue dress that specific thing um which we can talk more about when we get to that part if we want but yeah like why she says she's been having such a hard time with it but she's dressed like from 35 years ago but i think that it's because Um, that wasn't happening 30 like that um okay i'm finding this a challenge that conversation is new that conversation never really happened do you know what i mean so dolores did do those things and she did go down that elevator i believe in her you know path to find the maze 35 years ago but what we're seeing is not her actually doing those things it is her like sort of projecting or like having a memory she's like watching it from a distance in present day which is why um in that conversation with dolores still wearing a dress having this conversation with Bernard, Bernard says, you know, you know... With Arnold. Sorry, with Arnold. Yes, of course. Arnold says, you know why I can't help you. Tell me why that is. And she says, it's because you're dead and I killed you. So we know because of that, that Arnold is not actually there saying those things. And he never was. Even 35 years ago, he never said, I'm not really here, I'm dead. So this is like, this this is her cognition, I think, like remembering things that happened and informing her present. Does that make sense? Do you... 
Yeah, no, it's true. Um, yeah, no, I guess that does like explain that part. We know that they had lots of conversations. So I guess I was thinking of it more. You're right. I mean, and I, I mean, he obviously didn't sit there and say, I'm like, I'm dead. That's crazy. Right. So I completely agree that she got to like a point where he can't answer the questions. I just don't get why she's not in the outfit that she goes down there in, but you're, I mean, it is just like semantics. Um, and I'm just not like seeing it that way. Right. Um, but yes, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So then I think I think that I know that I took us down a rabbit hole with a discussion of the maze. But I do think that like the theory of what the maze is will color the way that you interpret this conversation between Angela and Teddy and Angela's sort of uh, and why it's men um, like all of their uh, role in the maze hunt and Ford's storyline and everything. So I think I just think that there's something still coming in terms of a big turn of events as to why Ford's storyline and the maze converge. I was almost like, thinking that it's like that Ford is aware of what the maze is and he's aware like Ford is obviously aware that there is sentience amongst some of the hosts. I mean, maybe essentially the maze is um, intended by Arnold for them for it to be an awakening where they like um, discover their true nature. They they discover their own sentience. But to like Ford, maybe he's using that as an opportunity to suss out the problem childs and like get rid of them. Yeah, I just feel like it's like <laughs> so, more. No, I feel like that's pretty far fetched. I just there's something again like it comes back to timing. Like Ford is now being incredibly. Um, uh, not risky, but he's taking way too many risks. He's not covering his tracks properly. Who knows what's going to happen now with Bernard, but it's like that seems really strange the way that that was left, all in the name of getting the storyline done right away. Like there is something very strange about how demanding it is that we get that up and running right now. So whether it's that's like very true, is that's dying, a really good point. Yeah. And it needs to be like dealt with and he's going to go die in the maze just like it. I even thought, although I don't think it works at all, I was like, is Ford actually Arnold? And it's not Arnold who died all those years ago. It was Ford, but that doesn't make any sense with the flashbacks. But like, what are the reasons as to why they are converging? But I do not feel, I don't know. I just even feel like Angela's conversation here is all given to her by Ford and that it's like things that, that are there intentionally. Yeah, I mean, that that could really be. I mean, um, it's true. They are all there because of Ford's storyline. So Ford has to be feeding them these lines in some way and therefore has to be involved in the maze hunt in some way. And those are all very good points. And I don't really know what I don't it know, means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who does? Uh, I mean, really, that's the end of that scene. We, she knocks out the man in black and tells him that, again, before that happens, that the maze is not meant for him. So that's happened over and over again, too, right? Um, so I agree with you completely that this is some sort of, like, sentience thing rather than, like, there's no, like, treasure at the center of the maze or something like that, right? And what I meant earlier, too, about William being so dedicated in figuring out the hosts when it's a journey that just the hosts can be on. right. Which is what it feels like. Um, so the scene after that. So <laughs> I love this scene. Uh, it's just a continuation of this past one. But of course, the man in black wakes up 
because he's been knocked out. There's a noose around his neck and the other end is tied to the horse over a tree. So obviously if the horse takes off, he's fucked, right? Like he would die in this situation. No? Yeah, I I agree. I feel like it like, kind of gets around. I feel like Wyatt Wyatt's men are not restricted in the same way that other hosts are. They're not right. behaving the way other hosts do. They're not like dying when they get shot. They a hundred percent would have killed the man in black if they yeah. if if he had not gotten the knife in time. I feel it certainly seemed. Anyway, yeah. he seemed concerned. So he gets the knife out of Teddy's body just in time. And the, when the horse spooks, he's able to cut himself down. And then just this, like, hilariously discordant moment when these heels appear at his face. I just, like, it was so well done. And uh, it's Hale who asks him if he's ever considered golf. Yeah. And... He says he doesn't like interruptions, and she says that they need to discuss a really delicate matter, and that Cullen is dead. And then Men in Black says that couldn't have been an accident because there are no accidents here. Hale thinks the Men in Black can no longer see. Everything to him is a game or a maze. Um, So does that mean that Hale doesn't actually think it was intentional, like we thought last episode? She seems to to, to think that. Yeah. Um, which I found surprising. Um, Agreed. Yeah. So this was a very familiar uh, interaction between these two. Um, So um, we know through this conversation that the man in black is a member of the board. We had debated that a couple of times in the past. Um, He is currently not like actively sitting on the board, of course, because he just wants to do his thing in the park and, does not seem to be overly concerned or involved in board business, but uh, Hale wants his vote. So we did have a tweet from... 22 Gardens. Yes, thank you. Um, who... Before this most recent episode, too. So this was... Yes! This was last 22 week, Garden yeah. Street uh, props because um, not only <laughs> not only did they get the, um, the picture uh, from the Abernathy yeah. Ranch is in fact Logan's sister, correct, called that. But then also threw out this really interesting um, theory that perhaps Hale is the Man in Black's daughter. Um, And I could definitely see that, particularly after this interaction. I felt like this, this felt to me like a very familiar, potentially father-daughter type relationship. That was very strained if it was, in fact, a father-daughter. But that makes sense, given the backstory that we had from the Man in Black in the last episode. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't tell if I was, like, colored by the tweet or if I thought of it. I mean, they obviously know each other. I thought it was really cool to finally figure out that the Man in Black is, in fact, a board member and has been there for quite a long time. Um, But yes, you're right. It doesn't seem like she's just... They're not just a typical business relationship that there's something else there and given how young she is you know that would certainly fit that would fit i mean and how much she knows the park too right um Mm -hmm. if that is the case i wonder if i don't know would would sizemore not know who she is if she is both a member of the board and the man of black's daughter i guess i mean like if he doesn't know the board members then why would he know the daughter of a board member um, so, yeah, like, I could definitely see that being the case. 
Yeah, it doesn't seem like Sizemore had a lot of interaction with the board in general. I mean, he does, he just flat out doesn't even know who Hale is, right? right? Yes. I mean, it's not even that he doesn't... Yeah. But, like, he should know her just from the fact that... from her position on the board. And he doesn't. Makes me think that he's just not in the know enough. Um, yeah. Although it doesn't seem like the board's maybe been all that involved. But we also know from this that the man in black is, as a board member, of course, aware that they were trying to smuggle all that information out of the park, too. Right. Um, which is interesting. Um, so, yeah, Hale just says that she wants the unanimous vote to push Ford out. Um, and after all, it was the man in black who kept Ford in business all those years ago, which seems like a pretty direct reference to the what idea we've talked about before, which is that Delos came in and bought or at least gave enough, bought enough of the park to resuscitate it. And, um, that William slash the man in black would have kept Ford in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells her that the narratives he's not, are interested in are not Ford's and he doesn't care if he's gone, but he knows now where he's going and he doesn't want to be disturbed. And then he just takes off. So it's a pretty quick conversation for sure. Um, but agree, there's like a familiarity there for sure. Right. Um, so we've already talked uh, a bit about Stubbs being advised that there is a signal in the park and it belongs to Elsie. So um, the lab tech thinks that it's a it's a glitch, but Stubbs is going to check it out personally. So he enters the park in this like forested area. And then there's these like warriors that approach him like in a threatening way. And he tries to um, he tries to um, get them to freeze their motor functions, but they don't respond. And he just, he draws his weapon, but is tackled from behind. So that's all we see of Stubbs. This is the only part of this episode or the part of the episode I found the most not in keeping. I mean, this is the guy who took all of that security with him down into cold storage in what, the first episode, Mm -hmm. right? You know, like he's always been, for the most part, quite cautious. But they're short staffed now because Ford dialed back QA. yeah. So maybe that's why. We took away their control. Yeah. Like Stubbs definitely anyway. said the words, this is going to leave us short-staffed. Right. So I can sus- suspend my disbelief on this. <laughs> and that we don't go back to it. I don't know. I just find this part annoying, but anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Logan wakes up on the ground and... Uh, I don't. Was it just because he was drunk? Was he was he drunk and fell asleep on the ground, That's what I or was, was like he knocked out in some way? I don't know. It seemed like William pretended that the, he wanted to celebrate. He got Logan super drunk till he passed out, and now this is him waking up. From yes, that. That's kind of. Like, I thought so too. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking like he would have to be uh, like down for the count, really. To, like, yeah, because we have seen. I mean, look at the reaction that Dolores had when she was um, stabbed in the stomach. She, it was like, yeah. it was very realistic. She was writhing in agony. It, she was screaming in pain. Like, William was able to dismember, like, 30 confederados while Logan was just, like, passed out. Uh, um, well, is it possible he killed them all first and then? But I mean, you're right. It's, regardless, it's, like, an immense amount of killing yes for one person to do without yeah um yeah in any case logan wakes up william has killed every last host at their camp and dismembered many of them there's like legs and hands like lying around and they all have mechanical 
bits showing out of the you know joints and stuff where they've been um cut off so uh yeah logan logan is immediately terrified of william like there has been a big change in William's demeanor. So he's like, William's like, oh, good, you're up. And like stands up with bodies littered all around him and a giant knife in his hand. And uh, yeah, tables have turned a little bit. William tells Logan, like, you're not calling the shots anymore. I finally figured out how to play this game. And I, I just think that, uh, like we've already discussed, it's like a switch went off in William, right? Where he's like, I don't know. Maybe like the one the one thing in his life which was Dolores, which he thought was like, you know, pure and good and um he was like the person that he wanted to be when he was with her. And then that was like snatched away from him in the blink of an eye where he was really confronted yeah. with the reality that that was not reality. Like that was not true. Um, I think he just like went off the edge. Um, Maybe he was just called Billy one too many times. I know, right. So he like throws Logan to the (laughs) ground and puts the knife to his throat and says he's going to find Dolores and Logan's going to help him. I wonder if he finds Dolores in the town with the white church. Like, has the man in black ever said that he's been to the town with the white church before? He knows it. Oh, yeah. He was there with Dolores like an episode ago. Yeah. Well, but he's... When was he there with? He's still. He's at. Barry. He shows up at the end of this episode. Yes. Yes. Sorry. And then it was buried. But then he also says, "Oh, like the maze is bringing me full circle." Like, and then even how Dolores at the end says William, and then the man in black opens up the door. I feel like that's again a. Like she expected to be William because that's what her memory would have told her has happened. Right. So. But she, of course, she's not in the. Same timeline, like line. Yeah, like I wonder if when William finds Dolores, it's in the church. But that can't be because it's not unearthed until present day. It's still right. buried with sand. This is from five. Okay. Right. Yeah. True. Okay. Um, yep. So that's it for that. We'll we'll see what William, what William's yeah. interactions with Logan are <laughs> going to be who? like in the future. This made me think actually that like a couple of things. One is that we had talked about the fact that maybe Logan doesn't make it out of the park alive. And that's why William was able to sort of take over the business. Um, and maybe that's still true. But like this scene actually made me think that maybe Logan doesn't need to be dead in order for William to take over the business. Maybe William is just like so far beyond like he is out like sharking Logan now uh that he just takes it from him yeah he's the power he's the power guy agreed and we did get a tweet about that too from Rentasmo one just saying I don't understand how Logan's sister who's been to Westworld agrees to marry a damaged and seething William for 30 years and I totally see that point you know like this is the part that's a little bit hard to fully grasp if he's going to come back this bad um and yeah i agree, I agree with totally what you're saying where now that he's the power guy i think logan it's easy to see how logan could become subversive yes. because he's just like he's not really a born he's like born leader in the sense that he collects these like what do you say called them like mismatch or oddities or whatever mm-hmm. earlier in this episode mm-hmm. Um, but it does seem hard to believe that everybody just goes home and continues with their life as soon as this is over, given everything that's happening. Right. 
Um, yeah, like, so. I mean, definitely we did hear in the Man in Black's backstory that um, although he never showed the man that he was in the park to his wife and daughter, that that, that she, she knew it yeah. was but but i mean to that point like to live with this man for 30 years who had this like underlying viciousness like just below the surface um i don't know like that's kind of crazy for 30 years and that your brother didn't come back and warn you like hey guess what your fiance went nuts like right i don't know but like but i don't know i don't know i just i think that that it could be that William is just he's he's the he's the man on top now and Logan is the subversive one. Yep. Yep, agreed. So we're back with Bernard who's continuing to go deeper into his memory. So he's recalling the incident from a couple of episodes ago when Maeve came in after her daughter was killed and she stabs herself to death in the neck um while she's surrounded by all of the technicians. Mm-hmm. So Ford He's wondering why that happened. Ford says um, a cornerstone memory cornerstone memory was overwritten from the tra- trauma of the daughter's murder, and that they'll have to celebrate. Se- sorry, they'll have to sever the relationship in order to kind of overcome it. Uh, and so Bernard is saying, "Well, how could um, she have a trauma this bad from a memory that's just been erased?" And Ford says, "Creatures go through great lengths to protect themselves from pain." And Bernard says, "Yes, but like." living beings do this and then it obviously like he starts to kind of glitch about this because ford says don't obsess over it and he says this is a sign a signal of a change in her behavior that she's not supposed to exhibit um basically he's to me coming to grasp with the fact that there is sentience behind this behavior um and because he's programmed to only see these things as hosts like this is where his lack of humanity he can't fully process it. Is that yeah? I mean, so what you were it's the same. It's the same sort of glitching that we saw when Maeve was reading her own words come up on the behavior tablet, and she was coming to the realization mm-hmm. that um, all all the things that she's ever said have all been programmed for her. Programmed. And it was the same yes. kind of glitching, I think, if I remember correctly, that Peter Abernathy had when he was looking at the picture and he said that he was, like, asking a question that he shouldn't ask and you'll get an answer that you shouldn't know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I, th- I think that this is um, this is something that happens when... They're simply unable to sort of process the magnitude of the information that is yeah. being revealed to them. And it's almost like it overloads the system for a minute because um, the revelation is so big that it like, um, I don't know, that it can't process. But I think it's even that like he just is not programmed to even consider that that's an option, you know, and like whereas a human and this is what I the part that I can't believe Ford is so blasé about, but Ford even says, you know, this is a creature going to great length to protect themselves from pain. Mm-hmm. And Bernard's like, yeah, but that's what humans would do. Like, that's what people's with, people with souls or, you know, emotions would do. This is a programmed robot, and it's not supposed to be able to do that. And so he can't grasp that fact because it was never given to him by... Right people to even consider this is like when the hosts are trying to have independent thought 
that is not programmed mm-hmm. that this is what is happening, right? He is coming to a conclusion right. that he was never programmed to come to. He should not be able to have these thoughts, but he is not able to dismiss the evidence that's in front of him that is making him come to a conclusion that is like something he should never be able to recognize, which is like the sentience in the other host or, you know, the signs of it. Um, yeah. So like, what? why do you think Ford is not that concerned about this, about Maeve's behavior, not not Bernard. I don't know. I don't. The only thing that I can think of is that perhaps, I mean, like we're seeing three timelines, but maybe this has happened over and over and yeah. over again. And to Ford, it's par for the course. Um, and it's just not a big deal. I don't deal. know. I mean, like I'm really just kind of, throwing something out I know. there that I haven't really thought through but you're right he should be more concerned about these things and if this is an anomaly that he has not seen before then I don't understand why he isn't more concerned about the implications of these things um but yeah. he doesn't seem surprised by any of it and the only thing that I can think of is that maybe Ford knows that it is in the host's nature to eventually come to a realization that they are um, like that they are a host, like they realize their true nature, which then indicates a level of sentience within the host. Like maybe that's just something yeah. that he, that happens, and then Ford has to subvert it by um, erasing their memories or putting them in a new storyline, severing ties where ties have been made between Maeve and her daughter for instance I don't know (laughs) I don't know I just like there's something else here like as to why I don't know it's if this the I find such a gap between what he says in terms of what he believes that is better about hosts cognition the fact that they can't understand everything that they don't hold on to you know, the things that humans don't let them to then be faced with that exact thing happening, but, which is the tr- way that trauma overwrites. But that isn't exactly that, that isn't exactly what he said in this episode. In this episode, he said that the hosts are made in their image. They're made in the image of yeah. humans and are therefore um, cursed to make human mistakes. And like, I think I think that, you know, Ford is recognizing that there is an inherent level of humanity in the hosts, but that he feels that the ideal that in order to protect them and to spare them in air quotes from all of their baser instincts and the trauma of um, painful things that have happened, that he is um, exerting his control over them and erasing their memories and like being this godlike figure or whatever but that ultimately he is saying that like the hosts are not um like they're they're not different enough to um to avoid making all of the same mistakes that humans do so he is like recognizing their parallels but he just he hasn't before like i and this is from way back, you know, because then what he said, I mean, this this Maeve one is, well, a couple of years ago, at least, right? And then in his more recent piece between Bernard after their conversation about 
after they've killed Cullen, it feels like he, what he was saying was incredibly different from this. But then if he is involved in sending the hosts back through the maze, whatever it is, for some sort of journey of like discovery, then why is that happening? I don't know. I have no answers for this, but I just no, find I all know. of those things just really crazy. And the fact that like what we learn here is that a traumatic enough event for these hosts can overwrite a cornerstone memory that you're given um, and that you can, they can change their entire, um, you know, behavior and that these memories, which for humans, you know, tend to fade and like, obviously we don't have the same memories the way we've seen so many of the hosts relive their memories in like these incredibly vivid ways. The fact that you know that that's the case and you're not concerned about it. Right. And it it like, it doesn't make any sense. I agree. Um, and this is just an... And I don't mean in the sense in the sense that, like, the writers don't know what's going on. No, no. I think like, this is the piece that is, the, you know, like, it just, for me, having seen what we've seen, it's it's the biggest question. Yeah, we just we just don't know what's happening it, yet. Yeah. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's also really interesting that the cornerstone memory, which is, as we learn um, in this episode, at least in a way that I was able to understand it a little bit better, is ultimately like the one memory that the rest of their um, personality is sort of built around. So, um, yeah. yeah, we know, for instance, that um, Teddy's sort of unnamed regret before he had the Wyatt storyline is the thing that would prevent him from like putting down roots and running away with Dolores. And Dolores waiting for mm-hmm. Teddy is the one thing that like prevented her from going elsewhere, whatever. Anyway, so um, it's interesting that Ford said that the cornerstone memory is um, was preferred by Arnold to be one of trauma because it was the most. Um, like realistic or yeah um was it realistic or it's just that he the tragic ones work the best it makes them more convincing, convincing. yes that's what i mean yeah that's what i meant to yeah. say but then um it's yeah. interesting that it is trauma more often than not that is um awakening the hosts to their memories etc like it was the trauma of Maeve losing her daughter that overwrote her cornerstone memory that is almost like that the trauma that she had now was like so far outweighing the trauma that she might have had in this cornerstone memory that this is now like the one thing that her absolutely her personality yeah. is organized around um so uh I don't know all of them yeah. really have yeah and that you wouldn't understand the impact that that could have in overriding what those memories are and then how much that would change their behavior. Absolutely. No, I completely... It's definitely all related, right? The cornerstone memory, the fact that the trauma, if it's great enough, which it tends to be, and of course the trauma that's happening in the park is worse than what they're giving them. You'd have to give them these horrendous traumatic memories off the top to not be overcome by what is done to them in the yeah. park. Like Dolores being dragged in and raped or killed night after night after night, you know, um, in her loop, eventually like kick something off, you mm-hmm. know? So this scene continues and it's kind of interspersed between the Bernard and Ford scene and Dolores in the city buried in sand, but for the Bernard and Ford part, um, 
we can continue with that part and then go to the Dolores scene after. So, um, Ford tells him that this is what comes from seeking answers to questions that are best left unasked in terms of the panic he was having with Maeve and also right now in this experience because we see him saying it in the past as well as now. And um, Bernard seems like he viscerally reacts, obviously, to the memories that he's had. Um, he then remembers his conversation with Ford about Arnold, what we saw a few episodes ago. We see the and the picture is shown again to him that we had theories about, which I'll kind of pay off in the next couple of scenes. Um, and uh, Ford talks about Arnold wanting to create consciousness. So a lot of this is repeated dialogue from that episode. I can't remember the number that it was, yeah. but it's back in this context is obviously much more. <laughs> we've learned so much since then that it's like very impactful, right? To hear how. Yes. I feel like, um, what it was yeah, like. it's yeah. The, it, the whole conversation is repeated almost verbatim with one little yeah. extra that was thrown in, um, which I think is the show sort of reminding us with all of this new information. It's kind of like giving us that uh, whole exposition again with, um, you know, with the backdrop of Dolores walking into the church and... Um, making mm-hmm. her way down the elevator and everything. So, like, illustrating exactly what it is that Bern- that sorry Ford is talking about. Um, exactly. Yeah, so it was, it, like, he's, he's talking about how Arnold wanted to create consciousness and that he built a version of the host cognition where the, the host hears their programming as an inner monologue, um, sort of like the voice of God, which we've talked about and we'll talk about more. Yep. Um, so the one piece that he said here that I don't remember him saying in the past episode was that the host's malfunctions were colorful. Um, so he right. did not say, I don't think, previously, he didn't say outright, I, I don't think, at least, that there was, like, sweeping malfunctions of the hosts. Right. Whereas now we see them all in church talking to themselves. Right. They're all, like, going crazy thinking they're hearing the voice of God. Of God. Yeah. 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 Um, So Bernard asks why he was given the death of a child as his backstory um, and why he keeps revisiting it over and over. And as he's asking that, he realizes because he programs these things that that's his cornerstone. So this is this is the conversation about the tragic cornerstones and the backstories being the best, according to Arnold. Um, And that Ford gave one to Bernard as a kind of homage. So I took this to be the start of the unveiling of Bernard as Arnold Mm -hmm. Um, that like this must be similar to Arnold's actual backstory is that yes I think so and then you know um, Ford says in this same scene that he thinks that one of the reasons why Arnold was very um, sort of um, in in the opinion that um, traumatic backstories were better than others was driven by his own traumatic he had backstory. One. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and we have had the conversation in the past about whether or not um, Charlie and Bernard's uh, wife were in fact real people or if they were just a fabricated memory. So, I think that they're kind of both. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. At least there's like the elements of truth and whether that's what they look like exactly or that's how the death happened. But the fact that 
those are pieces in his life. And I'm not. You know, in, I'm not. Sense. I agree, but I'm not a hundred percent convinced. I do think that there's room for the the loss or the tragedy to not be a son. I think that there is room for it to be another it loved could be, one. Um, sure. And so he's it. It might not be the exact same people, but that, um, yeah, may, maybe that's what Ford says when he means when he says homage that it's uh maybe kind of like inspired by true events but not necessarily exactly um but i'm not sure either way i do i do think that there is a very distinct possibility that charlie was a real boy and that he was arnold's son yeah um so Bernard wants to be put back so he can meet Arnold and Ford says again that it's not possible because Ford built him. So he asks to be taken back to his very first memory, which takes us again back to the hospital with his son. And there he we see this effect kind of a couple times, but basically he takes control of that memory mm-hmm. um, and wakes Charlie back up. And there's like a very emotional goodbye because to hang on to that cornerstone memory that's been programmed into is kind of preventing him from being able to further access back into his memories um which then does so he opens his eyes and it is his first memory so we get there's a lot of different uh ages of sir anthony here in the different like scenes which is really well done right because you actually finally have a bit of a like cornerstone to block yourself against in terms of where you are so slightly younger anthony hopkins um and this is where we get the full reveal but he you know lots of lots of hints of what had been discussed at length he's you know good to have him back and then we see him instructing bernard exactly how to act and of course we see the picture and we know now that bernard has been made in arnold's image yes Um, Yes. So again, I mean, like I said this about Bernard being a host as well, like even though a lot of people called this theory, it was still really thrilling to watch. Um, Yes. So, yeah. And just like the naming of him and, you know, learning how to like how he would pause to clean his glasses as a moment to gather his thoughts. You know, it's um, yeah, it's quite the scene. Yeah. Um, so these scenes with Dolores sort of take place as Ford's um, monologue about his partner Arnold and consciousness and all the stuff that we just talked about is kind of playing in voiceover. So we have this like interspersed with the Bernard and Ford scenes. Mm-hmm. So she enters the church. She's in her blue dress. So 35 years ago, um, the church is full of hosts who are talking to themselves. They seem to be like sort of going out of their minds and we think that this is because of the Arnold um, you know programming the cognition where their um, programming is an an inner monologue Um, so she enters the confessional and then the chair moves down like an elevator and then we see Dolores in present day um, which I have written down because of the change in her clothes so she exits the elevator and the um like the floor of the building it's like covered with bodies the lights are flickering i'm assuming that this is one of the abandoned floors from the original um 
lab days, like the same one of the same floors that Bernard would have gone to when he needed to like use the old computer to track down the. Um, yeah, agreed. And just like, and what happened? Like, why? Like, yeah. Do they look like that? I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, those were all hosts, like, right? Dead. Yeah, hosts. agreed. I mean, and it must be old hosts because I would think that new hosts, especially, would deteriorate more because they're made from or more organic substances. Right. You know, like for them to have just been lying there for all of that time. But yes, I mean, it feels like after whatever happened with Arnold, they like packed everything. And maybe this is why. Maybe they did clean house That's and what... get rid of everybody and bring all new teams in. I, and, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do feel like whatever happened with Arnold or whatever the big thing was, whether it was like this shootout um, with Teddy and Dolores in the white church. I mean, like maybe they took the elevator into the, um, yeah, into this lab. And like, I th- I feel like this place was evacuated or something. Everything's just left exactly where it was. And nobody's naked in the flashback scenes here either. So maybe this is one of the, although it's like, it's the later, you know, it's kind of like quality control. I mean, we see as she's walking through older hosts playing cards and stuff, but it doesn't seem strange that she's there, you know, like it. Because I don't think that she is there. She right? is. Like, so everyone is what. But she had to have walked through that to get to that room, which we know she went to for real. Right. I just, okay, you're right. I think that at some point she would have had to walk through that area, but I think that that would have been before Arnold died perhaps. And so, um, yeah, so like the scene, but where Ford is like yelling his name, like very young Anthony Hopkins. Um, like I felt like that she really saw that. I think that she did really see that, but in this, um, like in this instance, I feel like she is sort of walking through the memory but isn't really there. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I'm having a really hard time explaining this, but like I, no one is. But she's in the same place. Like, I mean, you're seeing, I feel like you're seeing two timelines, but they're just interspersed, but she's going through the same physical location and one time is back in her memory and she's making her way down to the place where she used to be interviewed by Arnold. Yeah. Um, But even when he says you came back, that's so great. Like I felt like that was all things that she had seen before. Right. I mean, maybe maybe you're right. I mean, logistically, I get it. Um, what I'm saying doesn't necessarily make sense. Somehow she needed to get down into that room. But I, I, I think that it's bizarre that she is standing in a hallway and there is literally no acknowledgement of her whatsoever by lab mm. techs, by Ford. I mean, like... I don't think that that would be usual for a host to just be making their way through the lab unaccompanied. But don't you think it's before guests are even there? Like if it's 35 years ago and the hosts aren't even fully worked out and they're all still panicking about, you know, hearing God in their head in the church, then it was a time when it was just them and technicians and hosts and everybody kind of was all there. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. And there are no guests in the park yet. Yeah, maybe. Like, it's like how they maybe were that's true. teaching them how to dance in the square and everything. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, whatever happened with Arnold, you're right, would have happened before the park opened. Or right at when the park opened? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see your point. 
that's a good argument. Um, Anybody with thoughts can email us or leave on our website. Like, I'm not saying that she's never been in that room before. I think she has been in that room. I'm just thinking, like, in this particular instance, she's not really there. But I cannot speak to how she would have memories of those conversations taking place if she was not actually there to have witnessed them. Not there. Mm, So I get your point. Um, okay, so uh, so Dolores is walking through the same hallway as we had just discussed. Like, one minute it's, like, apocalyptic and the whole place is uh, abandoned except for the bodies of hosts. And then the next minute yeah. she's in her blue dress and, um, you know, the, the place is sort of bustling um, with hosts who are being tested, etc. And then, like, super young Ford, like, breezes past Dolores, does not pay her any attention. Um, and he calls yeah. out to Arnold. He seems angry. Um, it, it's yes. interesting that in the background, um, the former Peter Abernathy host is like, is learning, learning Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. So he was an original too. We didn't know that until this moment. Yeah, you're right. Um, so uh, I didn't really make out too much uh, in terms of the conversation between Arnold and Ford. No, like, I mean, even when you have it on, like, closed captioning, it's just, you know, you've gone too far this time. Yeah. Um, but I also thought it could be related. So she comes in through. So he said there was a version of the cognition where it was like the voice of God talking to them. He's now got, what, like 25 hosts sitting in the church having, like, religious experiences. Um, and you can imagine he's trying to get the park opened for business. And all of the hosts are acting nuts right Mm -hmm. so like if you do take it as a very literal interpretation of the timeline which i'm not saying it is you can imagine that he's like why are we messing with their cognition right now like we had them passing the turing test we had them behaving just fine you've switched this up to see if you can make them more sentient that's not the point i'm really just making this up but like that's kind of how i was seeing it flow in that moment um so dolores enters the room where she and bernard have had their meetings in the past um, I keep saying Bernard, but it is Arnold. We know it's Arnold. <laughs> it's a hard habit to break. Um, Absolutely. So Dolores Bernard meets with Arnold and he tells her, you came back. So again, I'm not like super going to go down down this rabbit hole um, again because we just kind of had the um, the discussion about whether or not this happened. But I do feel like there is the possibility that... This is not actually Arnold in the past saying you made it back, that this is perhaps like a representation of Arnold in her in her mind where she has now mm-hmm. made it through the journey that she was supposed to um, go on and this conversation isn't really happening. It's like a projection. Mo- I'm moving on. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> So he tells her noted for the record. He tells her yeah. you came back and she says um that she's been looking for him and that um he told her to follow the maze and it would bring her joy but all she's found is ter- in- is terror and pain. Um and he says that he can't help her and she knows why and he tells her to remember and then of course she does and she remembers that he- Arnold is dead and she killed him and that all of this is a memory. Um so uh, the camera pans out and Dolores is alone in the room and she is no longer in her blue dress. She's in present day. She's wearing pants. 
Um, so she comes back up the elevator into the church, which is now empty, um, and footsteps approach, and she calls out William's name. But it is not William, at least not young William. Yeah. It's the man yeah. in black. And she looks terrified. She, like, and yeah. then he, like, slowly moves towards her. And, and end of scene. And is that because she now remembers? Because we, like... We've seen her interact with the man in black in Sweetwater, and it, it's been fine, right? Yeah. Until he does something really awful to her in the at night. But it's, I think she like is this just because I think she remembers. Yeah. yeah, she remembers the man in black. But if the man in black is in fact William, she she does not seem to she know doesn't that. know that. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so the final scene is. Ah, Bernard comes out of all of these memories and he tells Ford he's going to finish what Arnold started and he's going to find all the sentient hosts and set them free. Um, To which Ford replies, well, why would they trust you? They're going to remember what you've done to them because you've basically acted human. Um, He's been a scourge to them. He's even taught Ford a few things in terms of managing them. Uh, So this is like, I thought that was an interesting parallel between what is really human and it's exactly like how Maeve is not going to act like that even though she is a host herself right because she's not one of yeah. them um and Bernard's basically say, or Ford's basically saying Bernard you've been acting like us um and that's when Bernard says we've had this conversation before and Ford has had it erased to control him and Ford says it was to protect him uh and then Ford says what would you think would happen if you said you were human like to the world uh, and that humans have butchered anything that challenged our primacy. Um, and when they eventually ran out of creatures to dominate, they built the park. And he has that, like, what do you think happened to Neanderthals? We ate them. Yeah. <laughs> this is, like, uh, rough. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, the real danger to the host is not Ford, it's Bernard. Because if Bernard went out and announced all of this, then they would definitely all be... I, I find I find uh, that Ford's choice of language is telling here, though, because he asks Bernard, what do you think would happen if you exposed your humanity to the world? Humanity, I feel yeah. like Ford recognizes that there is humanity in the hosts and he's just choosing to subvert it. Um, it's not a matter of like Ford being of a different opinion from Arnold, whereas like Arnold recognized there is sentience or wanted to create sentience and Ar- and Ford was like denying that there was such a thing, denying that the um, hosts were able to feel any of these things, which, as you mentioned, it's is a contrast, right, to like the scene that we saw earlier yeah. where he cuts a, a host across the cheek and says like... They, yeah, they can't feel they have no modesty, etc. But it it's almost as if in this scene, like he is absolutely validating the fact that that Bernard has humanity. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, so Bernard tells Clementine to kill um, Ford and it doesn't work. Um, so. Like, of course, there's a back door to the code where he has that great, if the player piano doesn't like the music, it doesn't kill the player, yes. <laughs> which was a really great line. Um, so, of course, there is no threat and that 
that he was never under threat this entire time. And Ford says that he was hoping that given free will, Bernard would have chosen to be Ford's partner again. Um, Which, but obviously he hasn't like, which says more to me too. Right. Like when we had asked previously, why does Ford lie to Bernard when Bernard asks him, have you ever made me do something like this before? Why bother lying if you're just going to erase his memory? And then in this scene, he is like, he is telling Bernard that if given free will, he wanted him to choose Ford. I just think that um, there, there is like, like if he did not feel that there was any humanity in Bernard, if Bernard was nothing but a machine to him, why would he care if he chose Ford or not? I think that there's something absolutely there's something way more no totally he's not just a machine to him so it's like I don't believe the Ford who says I don't know there's this has got to be the the part of it right that that is the battle I guess but it does feel as though ultimately Ford completely recognizes their humanness but he also made him in the exact replica of his friend and partner you know um and so he's and this is a guy who goes and visits his family that are all robots as well so there's yeah something to it but that being said he oh sorry sorry go go ahead i was just gonna say that he now like leaves by having bernard shoot himself in the head so connection and non-connection i know but i feel like that too is speaking to like the line where ford says that i am not the threat to the hosts bernard you are because if you expose the humanity that they have within them there will be no other choice but for humans to snuff them out so like humans will not allow there to be another creature that could challenge them for primacy and so if anyone knew that they had any humanity at all they would be in danger and so ford in this like twisted way um which also happens to make him like godlike so he doesn't um dislike that i'm sure (laughs) but he like is protecting them like his children He's protecting them from the outside world and, like, the threat of being viewed as conscious human or, you know, human-like entities. You know what I mean? So he had to kill Bernard because they were – he he was a threat to – but why not just erase him like he has in the past? Like, it's like this time he feels it's more like a betrayal as to why he's doing it this way. Like, he's like, I hope that you would, with free will, choose me to be your partner again. But he could just erase him. Um, You know, and yes, maybe he'll figure it out again, but then just erase him again. Like, what? I didn't get that. I didn't. I didn't think that it was like, uh, that it was like uh, payback. For Bernard not choosing him. I felt like it was Ford um, having to I having to make the reluctant decision to end this threat because it continues to emerge over and over again. Hmm. And then what do you think what do yeah. you think that Ford meant when he was like, It's too late, I'm gonna have to kill you, I've got a celebration to plan. He said 
Oh, I think he's launching his storyline. Okay. Because he says, he does say, like, I have a celebration to plan and I have, like, a a story to tell. So I was like, what are you you celebrating? It was just, like, the big launch? My guess is that it's going to be, yeah, that the finale is the launch of the storyline and that there's a lot more, obviously, behind it. But isn't the storyline already underway? Well, there's pieces of it, yes, but I do think that it's not, um, like, officially launched. I mean, even Angela says, like... Wyatt, although that may be, but you know what I mean? Like why it's not out there. Nobody in the park knows who that is. Um, in this, like nobody behind the scenes in the park knows who that is. Even Sizemore was only working on it. Well, he thought he was, but obviously he wasn't. But I just, I don't think it's been officially launched. But maybe there's something else. I just, I got that as the official launch of the new storyline. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But I do think like, I agree. I mean, I agree that he is protecting the hosts in a weird way. But I just think that he absolutely could have just wiped Bernard again. Yeah. Um, And that there's something... Like, do you think Bernard can come back from this? Yes. I mean... So you think Bernard will just be in the next episode? No, no, I don't. Um, But I don't think that he would be um, down and out for good. In the same way that a decommissioned host, I think, could come back with some effort i think that yeah you know a gunshot to the head isn't something that would put a host down permanently we've seen that in the park over and over again so in the absence of having one of the like butchers take the bullet out and patch him back up i mean like maybe he's going to be down there indefinitely but how are they how are they going to explain bernard's death how are they going to um i mean Maybe that's it. Like, is he going to stage it as a suicide? Ultimately, he doesn't have to stage anything. And then, like, hope that nobody discovers that he's a host through the, like, examination of the body. Yeah, exactly. Um, Man, people are just, you know, they're dropping like flies. We got Colin, we got Elsie, Elsie, we got Bernard. Like, Stubbs is going to be beside himself if he yeah. if he makes it back from that's the right. park maybe Stubbs is next that's right yeah I mean I feel like we're not gonna see Bernard in the next episode because why would he have him shoot himself in the head like if you're just gonna intend to patch him up and restart him then you wouldn't do it yeah I absolutely agree um, but I don't think that yeah. Jeffrey Wright is gonna be out of the show for good now right um we shall see yeah so 90 minute finale next week I feel like we really are going to need to make efforts to not have the podcast be three hours long. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We promise we will absolutely try that. But at least we'll have, like, answers. And it is supposed to be answer-driven. So we're still asking a ton of questions right now. Um, So we can really focus on what is uncovered next week. Yeah. Right? And what is at least given some semblance of resolution. I can't wait. It's going to be good. This episode, like blew my mind and I feel like next week's gonna even be better. So that's so, right. Oh, it was a great episode. Yeah. Um uh feel free to follow us on Twitter if you would like to follow along with um with Jess's wonderful live tweeting. I am terrible at <laughs> tweeting. 
I just don't use Twitter at all. Every time I tweet, I have to like message Jess and be like, oh, I fucked it up. Fix it, please. (laughs) So generally, generally, Jess and I will like watch it at the same time and I'll text her to be like, oh, my God, this is this. Here's a picture. And then um, if I want to tweet something in that way, then she'll like post it for me. Anyway, so... um, Yes, this is the first episode I didn't watch live because I was on a plane coming home, so I just didn't even, like, turn Twitter... I didn't open Twitter at all because I knew I was just going to see an influx of spoilers. So I watched it as soon as I got home, but I will be watching the East Coast uh, live showing of it for sure. Sorry, West Coast people. Um, But cannot wait. 90 minutes. It's going to feel, like, even longer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we will be okay. back next week. Thanks, so guys. Thanks for so much for listening, and uh, thank you, Jess. Thanks, Kim. Yay! Okay, talk to you later. We'll Thanks, talk guys. Soon. Bye. Okay. Bye.